What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the All In Podcast, episode 71. I am one of the co-hosts, Mike Badzik, joined by my guy, Eli Cooper, as always. What's going on, man? Not much, man. You know, I got to say, today's a bittersweet bittersweet day. Mm. Um, We just, right before hopping on this podcast and recording, finished up uh filling out Raya's preschool application today. Oh no. So way. I think that makes me like 35, something like that. I was I was thinking like 40, <laughs> but I'll let you I'll let you keep 35. I'll let you keep 35. <laughs> yeah. Oh that's, man. It's flying by, dude. It's flying by. It's ridiculous, man. So well, yeah. Thanks. Bittersweet. Congrats. Yeah, it is kind thanks. of bittersweet. So um well, good for you. Good for Ray. Yeah. So uh, we've got lots of basketball to talk about today. This is an episode dedicated completely to the NBA playoffs uh, and everything going on in the NBA world. It's been a crazy busy day. Do want to remind you guys to subscribe to the channel while you're here. If you enjoy our content, make sure you subscribe. Turn on those notifications on the YouTube channel so you know when we go live and drop new content, uh, as well as subscribing and uh, leaving ratings and reviews on our uh, audio platforms. Also, we are presented by MyBookie.ag. You can head over there, uh, MyBookie.ag, use the promo code ALLINPOD and get uh, 100% sign-up bonus. Make sure you use that promo code so they know that we sent you uh, and you get that bonus. So, uh, You ready to get into it, bro? Let's get right into it. Okay, first thing first, we got to talk about KD last night. Uh, went crazy. You know, we kind of were thinking – you know, with the Kyrie injury and, and Harden, we weren't sure what we were going to get, and we ended up not getting much. Uh, we, we knew that he was going to have to put in a spectacular performance. I don't think, at least not me, I don't know about you, I wasn't expecting this, though. Well, I don't think anyone could have possibly sure. expected this because no. it was the first time in NBA history that anyone has done what Kevin Durant did last night. Um, and you know what's funny? So mm-hmm. – Yesterday, for the first time in God knows how long, I watched first take. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know what made me do it. But I just turned on first take, and I, I, I was that bored yesterday. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the day, <laughs> I turned it on, and Stephen A. Smith, uh, and you know, they were talking about the preview of that game, and he said – you know, one of my more famous quotes, uh, you know, back when I was working for the Philadelphia Inquirer was that I picked the Sixers in five and I talked about how dominant the Lakers would be in the Lakers Sixers series, uh, you know, 2001. And everybody was like, oh, well, why didn't you pick them in four then? And he was like, oh, well, AI will get you one. Right. Right. And he transitioned that into tonight. KD's going to get you one. Wow. He said KD's going to go for 50. You know, with no, and this was before uh, Harden had been upgraded to doubtful by the time he had said this, uh, mm-hmm. but it was not known that he was going to play there. So they're assuming there would be no Harden. He said, This is the time where KD's got to get you one. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, KD's going to go for 50. And he was right. Now, he didn't predict the triple double part, but he was right. He, I mean, 49 yeah. is, is as close as you could possibly be 49, 17, and 10. Um, he did absolutely everything from them for them yesterday. And it's crazy because, um, you know, the biggest knock on KD and, and probably the only thing that keeps him from like top 10, top seven all time discussions is 
you know, a lot of the, everyone's knocking on him. It's like, oh, he can't carry a team. People assume that because he, he joined a juggernaut to get his two championships and then did what he's doing, what, what happened in Brooklyn with this super team. Sure. Everybody's like, oh, I'll KD be taking the easy way out. He, he, he can't carry a team or, you know, by himself. And I always thought that was a false narrative yeah. about him. Like that dude is one of the best players, just basketball players of all time, period. Yeah, like, he might I don't, be the best. Yeah, I mean, he, he's there's a legitimate argument that offensively he's the best player we've ever seen. I mean, there's just no way to guard somebody like him, man. Like he, he literally can just take two dribbles, go to whatever spot he feels comfortable in and shoot the shit right over you. There's, right. And there's the only player in the world who can even possibly contest it wouldn't guard him, which I'll get to that. But I really want to. I really want to address K, what KD did last night. I mean, he distributed. He did everything. Um, he he did literally what they needed him to do. If he doesn't do that, they lose. They don't even have a chance. Uh, and they were up by. I mean, they were up by fifteen. Uh, the Bucks were up by sixteen. I think was the most they were up by. Yeah. Um, and he just he just couldn't be stopped. And you know, it's it's those kind of performances that also kind of make you sit back and be like man, I wish this guy wouldn't play on these super teams because we could see, you know, his full talent on display if he had, like, you know, a championship caliber team but not a, a ridiculous super team to where people kind of forget how good he actually is. And so I always thought that narrative was false. Like, KD being on a super team erases the doubt that they're ever going to lose, right? Like, he when he went to Golden State – there was no doubt yeah, was that right. fully healthy they were going to lose. It doesn't mean that KD can't take a team to the finals or can't be the best player on an NBA on an NBA championship team or carry a team. All that that's not what that meant. That's not what happened in Golden State. And I've been trying to tell that to people for four years now since he did it. And I think last night was proof of that. Even though he didn't win a championship last night, last night was proof that KD can beat anybody by himself. Period. And it's also proof that he's the best player in the league right now. Uh, would be how would I walked away from that game thinking that he's the best player in the league? If you if I could pick one guy to have in these playoffs, um, including the people who are injured and the people who aren't out there, it's Kevin Durant. Uh, because so he, even over a healthy LeBron, easily, easily, easily right now, easily right now. And, and listen, like you know, this healthy LeBron that we saw, like that's about as healthy as he's going to be right in the playoffs here. And he showed that he could not do this. Yeah. You know, he, he could not do this, not even close to this. He was having trouble putting up 30 in those playoff games uh, and, and, you know, just getting to his spots consistently anymore. And it comes with age, but also not having the help. You know, the Kevin Durant legacy is always, we're always going to have this taint on it. We're not sure what we're going to do with it historically. Yeah. Right? Some people might have him top five. Some people are going to refuse to give him top 15 because uh, of how he joined these super teams and how it ended up playing out. Now, you know, you can also make the case when he went to Brooklyn, he didn't know that they were going to get James Hart. I mean, right. he, knew, yeah. he obviously knew Kyrie was going, going there, but every team has two stars. Every right. contender has two stars. So that's no big deal, really. Uh, yeah. But then to add Harden, that kind of like, you know, puts the, puts the super team logo on it. Now, right. What was, what was he going to say? No, don't trade for James Harden. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah, the same thing yeah. like when Stephen when Stephen Clay 
and everyone criticized them and they're like, well, we're going to not sign KD. Like, <laughs> like, what? like I, I don't know what you want from us. Like, right. But it's the same thing kind of. And the other thing you do last night, you play 48 minutes, mm-hmm. which, you know, like two years coming off of the pretty much two years, almost to the date, really uh, coming off of that torn Achilles to play 48 minutes and be this dominant. And also like Steve Nash saying like, go ahead, man. Like we need you tonight. You know, yeah. you do not need, Eight minutes off, you know, that's like I, I get frustrated with coaches when they rest guys a little bit too much, I feel, in these muscling games. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you go 48 minutes. Harden went 46 minutes. All right, so he was not afraid to let those guys go. Uh, yeah. I think that I think that's actually good. I don't think we've seen a lot from Steve Nash so far. I haven't loved his out-of-timeout uh, sets, you know, down the stretch. Uh, but I think that was a smart game plan decision. And Kevin Durant, you do not think Kevin Durant's the best player in the league? Or you agree? Well, I think I'd probably still take a fully healthy LeBron because um, I don't – and I don't – I mean, fully healthy and, like, in the flow. Like, if we if we really look at it, like, the, the Sun series – what was it, six – did they go six games or five? They went. Six, right? Six. Yeah, because they, they won two. So, yeah. six game. those six games were were games, what, three through eight for him? like coming back from the injury. So like he didn't even really have time yeah, to sure. to get into a rhythm and be like full steam. So I don't know that I want to judge him based off his this year's playoff performance. Um typically LeBron can do what KD did last night. Um now, you know, maybe this year maybe he's not that player anymore. Yep. Uh, but I think before I, I I don't think I got a good enough sample size this year to say that he's not that player anymore. Uh, because prior to his injury, he was that player. He was mm-hmm. doing that when AED was hurt. So I would say right now I'd probably still lean LeBron, but like it's a toss-up. I don't think you're crazy if you say KD after uh, what just happened last night. You know what I mean? I don't. It's a. I think it's a coin flip yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, at this stage of their careers, it's absolutely a. It's a coin flip on which one you prefer. And My, I'm going off history, really. It's crazy that it's still. Yeah, but think about this though, like. After 2018 and after after 2017, there was a strong case for KD. Yeah, uh, when they won, they, when they beat LeBron, and he probably outplayed LeBron in that finals. 2018, I don't know if he necessarily outplayed LeBron, but he won, right? Yeah. And then coming into 2019 finals and the 2019 playoffs, he had kind of been cementing himself as what we thought was the best player in the league. Now, obviously, he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Kawhi wins the chip, and then we start the Kawhi narrative, and then LeBron comes back last year and obviously, you know, takes that mantle back. But, you know, it's not it's not ridiculous to say that the last four playoffs that Kevin Durant was in, he was the best player in those playoffs. No, it's not at all. And yeah. he might, and, and he might, you know, he got hurt, obviously. I would say that the Raptors still are going to win that championship, even if he doesn't get hurt. A lot of people would disagree with that, including you probably. But then if he wins this championship too, and then you go, okay, well, his last four, he won three of them, and he, and he got hurt in the four – in the one he lost. In the didn't. one he lost, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's got a really strong case. He's got a really strong case, you know, to be pushing top five player of all time, top seven player of all time. I think right now he's, you know, maybe if he gets this one, he's pushing top ten. Um, and he might be he might be passing some people. So, well – You, you know, the other, the other thing yeah. with – the other thing that I I find unfair about people who try to discount his legacy with the teams he's joined, uh, why don't we do that to Magic? Magic yeah. had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes, 
who is a top five player of all top six, seven player of all time. Oh, and arguably the goat during uh, his era, like prior to Michael Jordan. Right. He was one of the, if, if, if not the goat, he was top three before Michael Jordan ever existed in the players that have come after him. And then he had James worthy. So like, I mean, if you're talking all-time ranks, like, they're up there with Steph and Clay. But right? he stayed like, with one team. And, and granted, yeah, he stayed with one team. But he got five – he went five and four in the finals, by the way. Okay. So – and that was – and he had a super team. Like, by all standards, he had as do- – I mean, he had as dominant of a roster of superstar talent as the Warriors did. Well, that's, like, the dirty secret of, like, all of these all-time greats is, like, yeah. <laughs> they played on great – Bird played on amazing teams. Oh, my God. The Celtics I mean, were loaded. Right, the Come Celtics on. were loaded. Like, even, like, Jordan's Bulls, like, they were loaded. Like, all of these teams were loaded. It's just that – it's not even that Kevin Durant went to – It's it, well, that is it. He went somewhere else. Yeah. And the, in the Warriors situation, it was the team that beat him the previous year. And went after. And one and one seventy three and nine. So like the, all of those factors yeah, makes it yeah. uh, a little bit different. So why don't we uh, transition? Then what are you what are you expecting out of Game Six? It looks like it looks like Kyrie's out. Harden is as of this recording, which is about five o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. Um, he's available, quote unquote. I'm not sure exactly what available means. I guess that means he's playing. Yeah. Um, so do you think the Nets close it out in game six or just go game seven? What do you think? I do. I think the Bucks take game six. I don't say that with a ton of confidence because um, as Charles Barkley so eloquently put it, they're the dumbest team in basketball. Yes. Um, so I, I don't feel confident in saying that. But I think if we really look at last night and we're like, if KD had to do all that for them to get to, to squeak out a win, uh, asking him to do that twice in three days is a bit mm. much. Um, and, and with, I, I don't suspect that Harden will get a ton better by the next game. Um, and then to also ask Jeff green, cause like not as great as Kevin Durant was last night, Jeff green hit seven threes. Right. So our, if we relied on 27 points out of Jeff green again, I don't love that. It was pretty ugly before, you know, KD and, and Jeff green just went nuclear on the bucks. So despite how God awful their coaching is and how God awful Giannis seems to be in crunch time, it may not get the crunch time in game six at home mm-hmm. with them backs against the wall, must win situation for them. I, I think this one could be a double digit win for the bucks in game six. Um, and then game seven is where we'll see that desperate. I think like last night was a desperation type game from KD. Yeah. I don't think he's going to have that same approach in game six, but game seven, he might, you know, he's definitely going to have that kind of approach. So um, I, I got the Nets taking the series weirdly um, because if, uh, you know, like we just said, if I have to play one game, pick a guy for one game for my life, Kevin Durant is the the second guy on my list. And the first on yours, uh, yeah. he's the, he's the top guy available on my list. So mm-hmm. I'm, I think I think the Bucks take Game Six. They try to get you know Harden as healthy as possible for Game Seven, uh, while still expecting Durant to carry them out of this round. Um, and then you deal with the injuries and stuff like that later. I, I got the Nets in seven. Yeah. So I, 
It's going to be the Nets. They're going to win. I don't know if it's going to be game six. You know, the Bucks might come out with energy here. But I think this also proved, like, this game proved that, like, if it's close, the Nets are going to win. If it's close at all, the Nets are going to pull away at the end, and they're just going to make shots when the Bucks are not. And and we knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. You tricked me. I picked the Nets. (laughs) And then after that Miami series, you were like, well, it looks like Drew Holiday. And I'm like, yeah, defense. And I I, I thought, maybe the Bucs can do it this year. But why did I do that? Because we know know who Giannis is. We know who Giannis is. He's the same guy he was last year in the playoffs. Like, it is so frustrating to watch them try to play offense. If I was a Bucks fan, I don't know if I could watch late these in games, games, especially. Oh, especially late in games. I don't know if I could watch these games. Like Giannis does the craziest stuff. He, you know, he'll be he'll be towards the post. He'll back the ball out and then try to get like a running start. Like this is not basketball moves that are effective. Like I, I just don't I don't quite get it. Something's not clicking with them. And Drew Holiday has not. Uh, been what he was in the Miami series either and my biggest thing is so I thought the coaching last night was just god awful um win or lose uh and even if the Bucks win a title some someone said on Twitter even if the Bucks win at all Budenholzer should be fired because they would be winning in spite of him He's because terrible. I just I can't for the life of me understand how a professional NBA team is that stagnant on offense mm-hmm. like I coach ninth and tenth graders, and like they have that issue. Sure. You guys are pros, man. Like, there's no reason uh, that a pro, a professional basketball team, doesn't have like a go-to set or play, anything like that. I mean, the James Harden was a clear shell of himself last night. Like, it was so he he couldn't move laterally. Yeah, and, like there was one time Connaughton got a dribble handoff and he switched and just blew right past him and try and he couldn't tr- he couldn't he couldn't do anything and these guys wouldn't do anything to get him on an island they didn't try to run any switching action where he gets stuck on middleton or holiday uh they did there was one time when holiday took drew took james harden off the dribble uh and then Giannis had him in the post on a possession and I just saw the I just saw a replay of it earlier on the on my timeline. Harden waved it the help defender off. Someone was coming to dig in. Someone was coming to dig in on Giannis's post. He said no. Harden that. said no, stay. And he took a he took a fadeaway jump shot. Yeah. Giannis took a fadeaway jump shot with with even if James Harden was fully healthy. I'm saying thank you. If I'm yes. James Harden, for any time Giannis takes a fadeaway jump shot in crunch time, this man with a guy with one hamstring, yep. one functional hamstring, took a fadeaway jump shot on him. Oh, over was, his right shoulder too. It wasn't even like it was a natural motion. It was. It was. I was. I was perplexed. I could not figure out what was happening at that point. And then. Uh, Drew Holiday leaves him a drop-off pass. He fumbles it late in the game when they're down two or three, something like that. Uh, and and Charles Barkley, who was – I think he was hilarious last night. Yeah. He said uh, Giannis dropped the ball because he was scared to catch it and get fouled and go to the free throw. Yeah, and legitimately, awesome. I think that's why he took the fadeaway. Because a couple of like a possession before, he went up strong, got fouled. I think Jeff Green fouled him, and he went to the line. He went one of two. 
Yeah. I think it's a, there's a legitimate fear and, and him and another guy I'm going to talk about later have a legitimate fear of going to the foul line, especially late in games. And it makes them less aggressive. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they're almost out of the picture, but here's my thing. You, as a coach, you have to know that, right? Like you can kind of, we've, after two years of Giannis being in the playoffs, this should be this is well documented. He's yes. not the guy you're going to go to down the stretch. Correct. I do. Drew Holiday didn't play terrible last night. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton was good last night. Like, why are you not running sets to get these guys one on one with James Harden? You can use Giannis as a screener or something, like gets to get somebody an open shot or put him in the pick uh, in a legitimate pick and roll, like you know, so that you can get switches that you want. I just I don't understand what they were trying to do. I also hate the fact that they've made Brooke Lopez like a spot up shoot, a seven foot spot up shooter. Just get a better, like get a better spot up shooter. If you just want a spot up shooter. I don't understand why, if you just want someone to stand on the three point line, why not just put give all his minutes to Bryn Forbes. He's your best shooter. So why not just put him and and he's not going to be any worse defensively than Brooke Lopez is. So, I I mean, Giannis isn't guarding the best player. You, You clearly want him in help. So like, just put Giannis at the damn five. Like, I just I can't figure out why the Bucks are so intent on playing Brook Lopez as a stretch as a as a three and D two guard. <laughs> yeah, and why they're yeah. not intent on playing Giannis at the five, which we've talked about where he should be at five. It makes no sense. It absolutely makes no sense to me. Like, think about it. Like, the Lakers do it with Anthony. What's the difference between Giannis and Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis can shoot better. So I just yeah. I can't figure out why. And they play him at the five, even though he doesn't like it. I just can't, I can't figure it out for me. He's a center, bro. Put him well, at center. If, if they want to do this thing where there's four guys standing around Giannis, don't have Giannis out there with the ball 30 feet away from the hoop. Do it do it, Dwight Howard in Orlando style where you yeah. have, he's down on the block and you have shooters around him. Like, he's not this guy. Like, at some point – and Budenholzer, you know, it's funny you mentioned, like, they don't run any sets. Like, that's what Budenholzer was known for. When he was in Atlanta, we were like, man, these guys' sets are awesome. Like – the way they passed and move, and he learned it from Popovich. He was a Spurs assistant. And, like, now it's like, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're just going to do this stand around and clear it out. And I I was on the Bucs. I wanted the Bucs to win at, uh, coming into this series because I like that Giannis stayed with them. You know, I, I'd like to see that more and more, and I was hoping it would bring success. Uh, but now I'm just like, this is so frustrating to mm-hmm. watch and to cheer for that, I, I'm I'm totally off it. I agree. They should definitely fire Budenholzer. So, all right, let's move on to your team, uh, who is currently tied 2-2 with the Hawks. The Hawks took game four at home, 103-100. to They finally were able to get some stops uh, after game three. They could not get any. Uh, the story here, I think, has to be, well, two stories here, and they're the two best players for the Sixers, Embiid, uh, who could not get anything going. I'm sure you're going to touch on that. Uh, and, and I would argue he even looks a little gimpy yet. Um, and, and Ben Simmons as well. So why don't you talk about your guys? Yeah, so I'll start with Embiid um, because his, is more impor- his issue is more important. It looked like he re-aggravated the injury sometime yeah. in that third – sometime in that second half. Yes. Um, you know, obviously the it's well known he went over 12, um, blew a, wa- a – a, relatively wide open layup in crunch time, uh, wide open to his standard in crunch time with, uh, I think it's down one, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, 
you know, uh, a play that he probably dunks more times than, than even tries to lay it up. But uh, even if he does lay it up, he finishes that almost 10 times out of 10. Um, and I think he, he said it himself. He just didn't get the lift that he wanted. Um, and honestly, I think it was kind of, it were it's, it's the biggest issue that I have with him. Um, is that this is a recurring theme, yeah. you know, is that in playoff time, despite how incredible he is, um, we can never guarantee full health for him. Uh, you know, and it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's a, and it's a, it typically is a knee injury pretty much mm-hmm. every playoff. So it doesn't matter how much they rest him uh, or what. It yeah. just always seems like there's a new knee injury that happens in the first, that he usually sustains in the first round. Yep. And then he's he's either in and out of games uh, or, you know, he plays really well. Like he's been incredible this series, averaging like 30, uh, 30, I think 12, 30 and 12, something like that in this series. Um, he's been incredible. And then all of a sudden the re-aggravation and he's terrible and we essentially lose because of it, right? Yeah. Like we lost because of that. And, and you know, granted uh, – they probably could have did some different things to overcome it, but it's hard to like just completely like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, well, Tobias or Ben should have stepped up, but it's kind of hard to like, he's out in beads out there. You know what I mean? Like he's on the floor. It's not like, you know, it's, it's different than when you take, when he leaves the game, right. Then you kind of, you see it and you're like, you know, all right, now we have to step up. Right. But he's still out there and he's still playing. He had 21 rebounds. And he's still like getting up and down the floor. Like that sure. wasn't the issue. It was just like when he when he had the ball in his hands, he was terrible. And I I at the time I was like, I think he's hurt, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like he doesn't look super hurt to the point where like he's airballing, right? And 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 stuff like that. And I was just like, it looked like he was searching. He was trying too hard to get to the foul line at times, or he was just. Uh, either that or he was settling for jump shots because he didn't want to go in the paint. And obviously, you know, if your knee's hurting, that's something that sure. that's going to be in the back of your mind. He didn't get lift on his shot. So I, I'm not saying I don't believe that he was hurt. He clearly was. But it's like if you're in the middle of the flow of the game and you see this guy still grabbing every rebound and getting down the floor, and it's like – No, we don't want to hear it, bro. Yeah, I still want to pl- – like I'm still going to pl- – I'm still going to give you the ball. You're out right. here. Like right. we're still going to try to play through our best player. And if you're too hurt to give us what we need, then you need to say something. If you're trying to tough it out, that's cool. But, but like maybe say, hey, you know, Tobias, Ben, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm going to do everything on the defensive end, you know, and I'll do as much as I can on offense, but I ain't got it tonight. And then that's kind of like, all right, let's step it up. But I don't think that was it. There was there clearly there was never any discussion of that because they kept trying to play through him and he just could not deliver because yeah. the need. Um, you know, and Robbie, my younger brother, mm-hmm. brought up a excellent debate topic um, because with Embiid making second team All NBA, he's yeah. now eligible for the Supermax. Uh, so Kyle actually brought that up, put that in the in our family group message, and Robbie says I wouldn't give it to him. Mm. He says I would sell high on him this off season. Let's and and let somebody else give him a contract extension. Because that could potentially be a bad contract. They started this whole debate in the group. I'm on the fence about it. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I think this postseason will tell me. And wow. it has 
absolutely nothing to do with that. the talent and skill of oh, Joel sure. Embiid. Nothing to do with that. The big, but every year of his career, he's he's been hurt, and when they've made the playoffs, he's gotten hurt in the playoffs. He has not gotten through. We haven't gotten out of the second round, but he has not gotten through the first round without being injured yet. And it's just like, can we ever? He's twenty six now. He's been in. He was in the two thousand fourteen draft class. So he's a seven years into the league now. That's the oldest twenty six year old. That's what I'm saying. His age is 26. Those knees are 33. Yes. At yes. least. Right? So it's like, are you willing to give a five-year, $190 million extension to someone who might not ever be healthy in the playoffs? And if he is, it might be one, maybe two of those five years. Are yeah. you willing to kick that money out for the off chance that he's healthy in the playoffs? And that was, I was like, you know what? I don't know that I'm super on board with trading him because for one uh superstar for superstar trades don't happen right so like we're never going to get the equitable value back for Embiid you'd essentially be going into rebuild mode the Sixers Mm -hmm. would have to decide and say we're going to take a buttload of picks and young players from someone who might be in contention and we'll start this thing all over Right, like that's what you would have to do because you can't get Lillard. Oh my right? gosh, what a uh, and, what a bummer that would be. Uh, exactly, you know what I mean. Especially when you just signed Tobias long term, you just signed Ben Harris long. I mean, Ben Harris, Ben Simmons long term. Um, you know, and Ben Simmons is still relatively young, so if you were going to hit the reset button, now would kind of be the time. But you know, um, it, do you want to build around Ben Simmons? Do you have the confidence that he's that player? I don't know. No, um, you know, so that's that's the thing. Ben Simmons is probably getting shipped out then, right? Or uh, maybe not that same summer, but like maybe in a year or two. Tobias is probably getting shipped out. Like you're you're going through the process again at that point because you can't wow. get Lillard for Embiid. Portland would have no interest in that. If they're trading Lillard, they're going to tank, right? They're gonna they're gonna be looking to tank, not continue to be the seventh or eighth succeed. Correct, you know correct. what I mean? So that's not a destination for him. Um, Brad Beal and the Wizards is not a realistic destination uh, for Embiid. Again, that's a situation where if they move, they just fired Scott Brooks, they're probably going to go into a rebuild rather than sitting in a 7-8 seat. The only teams that would be interested in Embiid are contending teams. And I don't know a ton of those that, uh, you know, have a ton of draft capital to give back. You know what I mean? Like the Lakers did when they traded for AD, the Pelicans were very fortunate that there was a suitor like that out there. I don't, I don't know that there's a team out there that has that kind of situation for you. So it's like, you're not getting equitable value if you trade and beat. So that's why I'm on the fence, but it begs the the question. It begs the question, right? Cause that's a lot of money for a dude who's never been healthy in the playoffs. And especially like the big guys like this, the seven, seven foot plus guys with knee and back issues, the knee, the back, you start to compensate, right? When you can't jump from the knees as well, you start to jump more from the ankles. He's had feet problems Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. So man, that is an interesting uh, topic topic here. Um, that Robbie should take that. There. I'm going to take that one to Twitter after this. You should, episode. You should take that one. to Twitter. I think you almost have to just because, you know, if he's on your team, you're a contender. Yeah. Right. I yep. would say, but yep. if he's not healthy, you're not a contender. So, um, man, that's, that's a, that's a really tough, 
tough one. But like, here's the thing too. Like, so going back to this series, you know, he obviously did not have it. I think Capella deserves some credit for the defense he played, uh, yeah. but he he obviously looked hurt. Yeah. Um, and, but Ben Simmons is just like. I, he's frustrating to watch. I mean, you know, we talk about the Bucks, but like the Simmons stuff, you know, and this is, you know, going on three, four years now of this. So it's nothing new. Um, but he, I don't know if he's someone that I want to build around. Not, maybe not, you know, he's a good piece. I think if I'm a championship contender and I could add him as a third piece, you know, yeah. and, but I just don't know what he is at this point where, there's not much going on on offense. I mean, transition offense, sure. He's obviously amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the finishing and, and the passing is both great. But, like, in a half-court set playoff situation, he's just not someone I love having in my sets. Yeah. Um, now, someone who I do love having in my sets is Trey Young. That guy is awesome. Uh, we have hated on Trey Young in the past. We have talked a lot of shit about the way he plays. He's been amazing. 25 and 18 in game four is really phenomenal. And against the Sixers team who, you know, all year when we were talking about them and why we think that they could be a serious contender, why you were thinking they could be a serious contender, it all it started with the defense uh, and, and the ability of Simmons and Thibel to, to lock up other teams' best players. That has not been the case at all when it comes to Trey Young. He's kind of been able to do almost whatever he wants. Um, you know, they're, they're doing some different stuff. I, I'm interested to see how Doc Rivers tries to approach Trey Young in game five. Maybe you can have more, more coaching insights into what he would try to do to slow him down. Uh, but they're also getting, you know, contributions from Bogdanovich. Um, John Collins was, was 14 and 12 in game four, uh, but he was really good in the previous game. So, like, they're, they're playing well. I don't think the Hawks are like, you know, we shouldn't be shocked. That the, obviously, if the Sixers lose to the Hawks, it's a disappointment. And we're going to look at this season and say that was a big disappointment to not make it out of the second round. But the Hawks yeah. are legit. Yeah, they are. And um, really, they'd be a scary team for anyone in the postseason because they're so good offensively. Yeah. Um, I think Ben and Matisse have done as good of a job as you possibly can on someone as good as Trey Young. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, defensively, um, and, and there's been times where they've actually really bothered him. I, mm-hmm. Actually, I thought the last two games, um, they bothered him as much, again, as much as you possibly can in today's NBA, sure. um, you know, with the, with the way that the game is structured. So, um, you know, I, now that, I mean, the 18 assist, um, was, was incredible. And that's really where, um, that's really where he kind of is his most dangerous, right. Is because, you can do a good job, like holding Trey Young to twenty five points is actually an accomplishment, sure, right? Because yeah. like he's he's typically around like twenty eight, twenty nine throughout this postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get him down to twenty five, that's pretty good. The the issue is when he gets everyone else involved. Um, and and I've always I've always liked Trey Young's uh, skill set, right? Yes. And and like what he does. Like there was there's never been a doubt about how good he is. The doubt um, that I've always had was his play style. And really, I, I've kind of always had the feeling like if he ever, you know, as he gets older, like he's super young. This is typically what young players do is they dominate the ball. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then eventually and, – and they show that they're, they're superstar individual players. And then they eventually have to learn to be winning players. And Nate yes. McMillan has taught Trey Young how to be a winning player. Um, and he's taught a lot of these young Hawks players how to be winning players. There's a lot to be said. 
about Nate McMillan. If there was a, a half coach of the year, half of the season coach of the year award, he'd, he'd win it by far um, with the turnaround that he did, um, you know, with this Hawks roster, they were struggling early on. John mm-hmm. Collins was complaining because he wasn't, the ball was in Trey Young's hands too much. And, and it's not like that anymore. Uh, while he has it a lot still, um, they run a lot of pick and rolls for Huerta, um, you know, Bogdanovich. They run a lot of sets for him. They, they, they run post-ups and things like that for Gallinari. Yep. They do the, they do a better job of getting John Collins involved. Um, you know, so everybody that steps on the floor for the Hawks is a weapon, uh, which is – that's always a dangerous team to play against. Their issue really is that they're not that good defensively, um, which is why you see the series at 2-2. Yeah. Um, you know, so – the the Haw- this Hawks team is dangerous. They'll be dangerous if they get past us in in the next round against an unhealthy Nets team. Uh, that would, you know, I, I I would be very fearful of an unhealthy Nets team that doesn't play defense playing yes. against the Hawks. Um, but you know, I think defensively, the yeah. last three games we've done enough to win. The Sixers have done enough to win. That isn't the issue. It's it's really just. You know, is Embiid healthy? And if he's not healthy, can other guys step up? Um, and and back to Ben Simmons. You know, yeah. uh, at this point, he's he's Draymond Green. Uh, he's he's arguably the best defender in the league. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's he's an excellent rebounder, um, good finisher, excellent in transition, um, but in a half court offense, he's a liability. And you know. It's to the point where, one, is that a guy you want to build around? Is that guy worth $170 million is the mm. other question, which is what he's getting right now. I'd say no. Draymond Green would probably tell you no. Uh, um, but, like, you know, the the biggest thing with me isn't even the jump shot. It's the lack of aggression. Yeah. Um, you know, he really could get out in transition and attack more in transition than what he does, but f- for whatever reason he doesn't. And, and, you know, like you said, in the half court, he's, he's been so bad that they took him off with seven seconds left in this, in this last game down three and put shake Milton in. Like when you're getting subbed out in late crucial situations for shake Milton, that's an issue, right? That's an issue for a former number one overall pick. That's getting 170 million over the next five years. And, and don't get me wrong. um, You know, I, I hate this narrative that you can't say anything bad about Ben Simmons. Like a lot of Sixers fans are like, oh, the Ben Simmons hate is way overblown. He does so much for this team. We know. We know what Ben Simmons does for the team, right? Like he, he's the best defender on the planet on the perimeter. Like we know that. We know he's going to be out when he gets out in transition. He's going to be good. We know he's going to find open shooters. Yeah. Cool. But at the end of the day, he cannot take one shot in an entire half. And, and we sit back and be okay with that because that's not what we're paying $170 million for. That's not what we drafted him number one overall. Well, that's what be. I was going to ask. I mean, as a number one pick, like that's not what you're expecting out of a number one pick. At all. And don't get me wrong. And, and you can criticize Ben Simmons' offensive deficiencies and his lack of aggressiveness while still acknowledging all the great things that he does for the Sixers. So like when Embiid is dominant, 
sure, Ben Simmons doesn't really need to do anything but average like 12 points. Like, you know what I mean? Like 12 to 13 points. Like we can live with 12 to 13 points from Ben Simmons. When Embiid goes 0 for 12, you need to get 20. Sure. You got to get 20. We have to and be able to get 20. Like we, we've had this conversation before. Like how many guys in the league, if the coach said go get 20 and here's the ball, go get 20, could go get 20? There's about 25 guys in the league now that can do that. I bet there's even more than that. If you yeah. said here's the usage rate, go get 20. I don't know if Ben Simmons is one of those guys. I don't think he would – I don't think he would try – that's right. my biggest issue. I don't. I'm not sure that he would even try to do that yeah, if you he, told he, him to. He would say, you "No, know? I'm good, coach." <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. That's the biggest issue. I don't even like. I don't, I actually think he could. I think he could get 20. Like, in you know, I think he could get 20. It wouldn't be super efficient, but I think he could. Right, if he pushed the ball in transition, um, if he if he posted up his smaller guards, like he attacked yeah. more uh, against smaller guards and didn't kick the ball out so much, I do think he could. Yeah. Um. I, I, the problem is that he wouldn't. He would literally say, "Nah, I'll give you sixteen and 10. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what he wants to do, and it's just like, you know, yeah. at the, and and now it's it's and that's why it's been so great that Tobias has been as great as he's been throughout the regular season and the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, he didn't step up in Game Four as I thought he should have. Um, but you know, they were, they were insistent on trying to play through and be, but whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, it's to the point where that responsibility now of the guy who steps up and, and becomes our second best player is Tobias. The ben, ben Simmons is an afterthought offensively. Do you want to give a prediction seeing as how by the time we release this game, five is going to be over. Y- yeah. I'm going to say we take game five though. Um, okay. I think they'll make the necessary adjustments. I'm, I'm, I haven't heard anything about Embiid possibly missing this game or having still being hurt. So yeah. I'm thinking, you know, a, a couple days off might help with the aggravation that he had, hopefully. Um, so I'm thinking he'll be better. And I'm thinking even if he's not, Tobias will recognize it sooner and be a little more aggressive. And, and I think Ben Simmons will be a little more aggressive. He tends to respond after he gets heavily criticized in the media, which he has been oh, good. Uh, the last couple games, he, t- he tends to respond for one game and then go back to doing what he was doing. Yeah. So I think game five will be that. Um, and I think the Sixers still win in six. That's what after at the end of game one, I said Sixers in six. Um, so I wasn't surprised that they won last night. Uh, uh, the other night, I wasn't surprised that they tied this up. I think the Sixers win games five and six. Um, assuming full health from Embiid, let me yeah, get that disclaimer in there. That's a big assumption. Assuming full health, uh, I think the Sixers win the next two and move on and see the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. Yeah, I think that the Sixers are the better team, and I think that they end up winning too, assuming uh, some health, obviously. If yeah. you did not just hear a prediction about Game 5, it's because the Hawks won and we cut it out. Uh, so let's move on to the last series that's uh, still going on in the second round, and that is Clippers Jazz. Um, Clippers have battled back here. Uh, it is two-two, but uh, news out today: Kawhi is injured out indefinitely. I think there's fears of ACL stuff, um, so it's a little bit unclear of if or when he'll come back. It looks like he's definitely going to be out uh, for five and six. 
you know, and it, it's really looking like it's going to be longer than that. So um, thoughts on this series so far? And well, it's, it's a huge bummer, honestly, because I think the Clippers were going to win this series. I do. Um, first of all, let's give Ty Lue a lot of credit because this is the second series in a row. They went down 2-0 and he made the proper adjustment adjustments. He has not had a Baca either, um, which is a relatively big loss for them. Um, on the, especially on the defensive end. So, uh, but Kawhi has been incredible. Um, you know, in, in both of these last two series, um, and even Paul George has played really well. Um, but they can't win this series without Kawhi. I don't think I don't think they can win this series without Kawhi. I'm not sure they can win another game without him. Mm. Um, he he's just he's been that good. He's that important to them. Um, it's it's a bummer, man. Because well, this was turning it. This was finally turning into a good series. It looked like the Jazz might, you know, run away with this in four or five, and the, and the Clippers, you know, came back, tied them up, and behind uh, Kawhi and Paul George. And now you're asking Paul George to be the best player on your team to win you two or three games. I'm not sure that he's that guy, despite how well he's played. He's played well for like a number two option. I'm not sure he'll be able to elevate his play enough over someone like Donovan Mitchell, who's been really good in these playoffs. Um, You know, so I, I, I think the jazz probably went in six. Mm. But it's it's unfortunate, man. There's just so many injuries happening in this uh, in this playoffs. Yeah, I think it's obviously really unfortunate. Kawhi is obviously one of my favorite players, um, and I was actually kind of was cheering for the Clippers. I'm not really a Clippers fan, but I was kind of cheering for them to make the finals. I thought Clippers Nets finals would have been pretty awesome with Kawhi and Paul George and KD and Harden, obviously all those superstars. Uh, yeah. So to lose him really sucks. I think that the Jazz probably. Um, are just going to be too much for you know a team that's built around two superstars like that. Um, yeah. And they pretty much mortgage a lot of their assets for those superstars. It's just going to be really tough. They're going to need huge games from Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. And while those are possible to happen, it's just you know it's 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 just not as likely as the Jazz you know kind of playing the game they've played all year with a team effort. So I think the Jazz will win as well. Um, so. Let's move on from this series, but talk more about these injuries. So Kawhi, we have lost now uh, indefinitely. There's been injuries throughout the entire playoffs. I think there's been like eight guys who have missed games, eight All-Stars who have missed games because of injuries, Um, and that's not including Chris Paul, who we'll get to. Um, So LeBron tweeted about this, and I actually have the tweets. not from my Twitter, but uh, I was sent them. So let me pull them up here. All right, so LeBron tweeted. You want me to read these or you just want me to summarize? Let's read them. Okay. LeBron tweeted, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the, in all caps, product and benefit of, all caps, our game. These injuries isn't just, all caps, part of the game. It's the lack of, all caps, pure. Rim rest. Rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine All-Stars have missed playoff games, most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players, it's insane. If there's one person that knows 
about the body and how it works all year round. It's me, all caps. I speak for the health of all our players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. Praying hands, crown emoji. Thoughts? Well, um, I wonder if the Christmas revenue was worth it. You know, um, those because that was like what they were so desperate to get the season started, right? Those Christmas Day games bring a lot of TV ratings. Um, and that's kind of why they rushed the beginning of this season. Um, and then I wonder if 72 games was too many for the short amount of months that they played in, right? Maybe they should have took it down to 60. Um, so there weren't so many, you know, back-to-backs and, and things like that in such a short period of time. Um, I guess LeBron's right. I mean, nine, all uh, poss- potentially eight, potentially nine all-stars. Those are just all-stars. We're not even talking about, like, important role players that are hurt as well. Yeah. Um, throughout this entire playoffs, um, and, and then Jamal Murray tweeted something interesting, like the healthiest team is going to win it all this year, not the best. Um, and and maybe you could say that every year, but like, you know, everybody was healthy in the bubble last year for the most part, um, you know, besides the Nets. Um, everybody was healthy in 2018 when the Warriors won it for the most part. Well, not the Rockets. They had the Chris, Chris Paul, Paul injury. Seven. Yeah, Chris Paul. Everybody was healthy for the most part in 2017, except for Kawhi in the Western Conference Finals. 2016. Well, these are kind of big injuries, so <laughs> I mean, these are a lot of big injuries, but it wasn't to this extent. It's not this right? many injuries, right? And it wasn't to the point where it's like last team. It's like a, uh, it's like a mosh pit, right? It's like yeah. whoever didn't get stomped out, right? right. <laughs> physically, is right. who's going to be like the last one standing, and it's just like kind of takes it takes the fun out of it because yes. you know we were the Lakers shouldn't have had to play the Suns in the first round uh for the, in the first place and then when they did play them Anthony Davis was out and Chris Paul was banged up so like that series wasn't even as good as even if you want to talk about it being in the first round that series wasn't as good as it should have been right right for a lot of the, as far as like the excitement of those actual games so you know these are like series and and postseason altering injuries that are happening that maybe the nuggets don't get swept if they have jamal murray it's a lot of ifs and ands and buts on this playoffs and lebron absolutely was right and i kind of love when he does this because he throughout his career typically takes the high road right and so i love when he talks his shit um especially when he was he was absolutely right he was like i tried to tell you guys nobody wants to listen to me though even though I'm the guy who spends a million a year keeping his body healthy because I play the most games of anyone in the NBA. So I would know that forcing a 72 game season into five months isn't a good idea. And you know, I, this is where it's, it's always tough. Um, you know, because it's, uh, it's the people over profit thing, right? Like, you you want to you want to get these games in because you want to protect revenue, right? And protecting revenue ends up being good for the players, and we understand that. However, are you actually protecting revenue when these guys aren't healthy in the most important time of the season? 
Uh, if the Jazz make the finals, it's a disaster. Oh, it's going to be ugly. It's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, the I mean, it's... are already way down, and we've talked about that plenty, and we don't need to dive in to that right. again. But, like, losing all of these stars, like, I mean, like, they're, it's, it's, it's not the same product without them, right? Like, Jazz Clippers just got way less fun. Um, you know, even, you know, Denver and Portland would have been more fun with Jamal Murray. And then yeah. obviously, like you mentioned, Lakers, Suns, and Jalen Brown. Um, oh, God, Went yeah. down too, forgot about that. Like, imagine, like, ima- that would have been a, a fantastic series. I think that's probably maybe they win even in the same amount of games, but it's a lot better back-and-forth games if Jalen Brown is there with Tatum against those guys from Brooklyn. Like, you can just, like, keep listing guys. It's pretty – crazy we're like forgetting guys even who have who have been hurt uh, go ahead. well yeah and, and think about it like if it's not the bucks that come out of the east the nets or the sixers are going to be carrying hobbled superstars into the finals like james harden doesn't look like he's anywhere near being himself uh for the not just for the rest of this series for the next series like i don't think if unless he gets a significant amount of time to rest he might be a shell of himself for the rest of this playoffs or mm-hmm. up until the finals, we might not get Kyrie back. We might you not. Know, like he an might ankle not sprain. Come back. Well, yeah, that too. But and, and that's a guy, especially for someone like him who like basketball is not a priority for him. So like he's definitely not going to put his body's health at any further risk for a playoff run. So it's like even if the Nets make it out of the East, they're not going to be at full strength like at a hundred percent full go and, right. and maybe they never were going to be cause they barely played in the regular season, but they're definitely not going to be it now who Harden or Kyrie, if they make it to the finals are going to be hobbled. Right. There's no, there's oh, just no I mean, doubt in my mind that Embiid is certainly going to be even more hobbled <laughs> if he gets to the finals. And if Milwaukee makes the finals, it's also a disaster. Oh, like- well, yeah. Well, I, or, there's no way, shape, or form I'm watching a Bucks Jazz Finals. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'll watch, but my <laughs> my wife's not watching. She doesn't care. Like, right? Like, you know, I use her as a good metric for like the interest of the average fan. So, like, she, yeah. you know, she watches the. If I'm on, it's on. If I'm watching, it's on in the background. Or like, so today I'm like, I wanted to gauge the average fan. The not even an average fan. The average viewer who might. Tune in. Oh, it's the NBA Finals. I'll tune it in. You know, who they would know, right? What players would they know if they're in it? Because yeah. we've had, we've always had LeBron or Kevin Durant um, Steph. or Steph Curry, right? Like yeah. those have been, those have bad guys been in the finals over and over and over for the past six years. So today, like I kind of just went through the litmus test and I was like, do you know who Joel Embiid is? She's like, no. I'm like, well, you know, he's that really tall guy, plays for the Philly. Oh, okay, maybe, yeah, I think if I saw him. Okay, but he's not a household name. Yeah, right? Right. Like, he, he's not a household name. Like, same thing with, like, the Suns. Like, Devin Booker, like, not a household name. Donovan Mitchell, not a household name. Um, Giannis is becoming a household name because he was back-to-back MVP, and he's got a funny name. Yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily consider him, like, household name, like LeBron or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Um so it's just interesting. It's just interesting. I don't know yeah. how it's going to play out, um, but but I think the NBA now is praying that the Nets make it to keep Kevin Durant 
and then maybe maybe the Suns and if Chris Paul is there, um, you want to let's actually transition to the Suns while while I just brought them up. Um, so they handled their second round matchup easily. Chris Paul was fantastic. Um, what were your thoughts first on how they handled uh, the Nuggets and, and how serious of a contender they are now? Well, I think they're the best team in the West. Yeah, left. I mean, the best be. team in the le- in the West, and that includes the Jazz. Um, at, on both ends of the floor, um, Chris Paul was incredible in that game. For I mean, um, for anybody who you know tries to to say that the mid range shot is a bad shot, watch Chris Paul's game four game film. Right. If any, you need to be able to hit that shot to beat drop coverage like the Nuggets were playing in pick and roll. Simple as that. Correct. Um, and and the way that he can just kind of control a game like that, uh, it takes so much pressure off of Devin Booker, who was also incredible in that game. Um, you know, it's just that off that kind that backcourt duo is going to be a menace for every team that they play going forward. Uh, Mikhail Bridges. I think is the best role playing wing in the league. Mm. Um, best three and D wing in the league. Um, uh, Jay Crowder has been very good after his, his sluggish start in the playoffs. Deandre Eaton on both ends of the floor has been a huge presence for them inside. They've got bench depth. Cameron Payne's been great off the bench. Saric, uh, Cam Johnson, our boy uh, is a sniper for them off the bench. So they've yep. got the depth. Monty Williams has been excellent from a coaching perspective. They've got all the tools. They've got everything you need to win a championship. I think they're the best team in the West. Um, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, the Chris Paul thing. But yeah. Let's uh, talk about uh, it. if he's fully, uh, you know, they're going to have some time, you know, to, to get him out of the protocols. Um, Wait, and I don't know if, positive. Did he test positive? He tested positive. Okay, because I mean, I didn't, I wasn't sure if that's what they they said he was in health and safety protocols. I wasn't sure if yeah that was well, because I, he tested positive or not. Say he te- I've seen a couple say he tested positive um, now, so they're saying he did okay. test positive. But they also said he got the vaccine. Can I give right, a controversial so, opinion? Can I give a controversial opinion? Yes. That you're gonna hate. Yes. They should scrap the COVID protocols. They should scrap the COVID protocols now. It's 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 time to scrap the. I know you hate it. It's time to scrap them because because and I'm not a science guy. Not a science guy. Okay, but I will. Oh, I lost Mike. By the way, I, I don't fully hate what he's saying. If you get it back here in the next couple seconds, I don't know if you can hear me, but I don't fully hate what Mike was saying there, but go ahead, Mike. Can you hear me now, Mike? Did you cut my feed? No. Anything? I can hear you. There we go. I can hear you now, Coop. All you right, cut my feed go. because you cut my feed because of the controversial <laughs> opinion, didn't you? I no. knew you were going to kick me. No, I knew you I was were going to kick me. 
I was actually uh, in the dead air there because I thought you'd come back in a couple seconds. I was trying to fill the dead oh. air. I was like, I don't actually think that's a bad well, idea. Uh, well, here, here's why. Like at this point, um, most of these players, all of these players have at least had the option and all of these coaches and all of these staff members have had the option of getting the vaccine. Okay. So my mm-hmm. point of view is if you chose not to get the vaccine and you get sick, that is the consequences that you chose. Okay. We should not be coddling these people, in my opinion, uh, that, that did not, that chose not to get the vaccine, whether that was because of bad science. I don't know why they decided not to get it. Um, but like Chris Paul, like we're now going to take this from him. He did the right thing. He got the vaccine for this very reason. If he did get COVID, he would be protected. And also the people around him who chose to get the vaccine would get protected, let alone the fact that none of these players are at risk of COVID. But that's a different story. But, like, I think at this point, when we're coming down to the wire here, they should scrap the COVID protocols and let Chris Paul play. At the very least, he should not have to sit out for 10 10 days or whatever the normal protocols are. Right. So, um, yeah, I think if he doesn't have any symptoms, he shouldn't have to sit 10 days yeah um i would agree with that uh i think they're gonna i think to be honest i think they're gonna play this by ear and see how long it takes utah and clippers uh to get done and then kind of go that's what i would do i would would just go from there i'd say he's in health and safety protocols for now and we will reevaluate because then you can kind of look at maybe the jazz or if the clippers somehow win that series whatever, right? Like maybe a lot of their players have been vaccinated, right? And sure. you can kind of go back and look at that and be like, all right, he's asymptomatic. That entire team is vaccinated or 75% of that team or whatever the percentage is, is vaccinated, however many players it is. Um, and then kind of make your decision based on yeah. the science there. Um, that's what I would do. I don't know that I would, I wouldn't scrap it because then if, there, if there's a team that's like, or if the rest of his teammates are not, vaccinated like at all if it's like a low percentage which i think it might be i don't think a lot of nba players got the vaccine um i think that's been a pretty common i think it's been a common theme that like less most of these teams are under 50 percent of their players are vaccinated i think but that was i haven't checked that don't don't quote me on that i haven't checked that number or stat i just pulled that i that's what i've been early on it was kind of like they were a lot of them were resistant to getting it um but I can tell you, hmm. um, you know, so I'm going to Puerto Rico next week, right? Okay. Okay. Holly does not have to get a negative test because she's vaccinated. Hmm. I am not vaccinated yet. I have to get a negative test. Oh, are you so, like, a crew? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I, that's, a, that's a whole different story. But sure. – in this case, essentially, the person who's vaccinated is a lot less likely to spread it to other people and also be yeah. affected by it. Um, so, you know, I think there's in this case, I think you can definitely make some amendments to the protocols and make your decision once the Jazz in and uh, and Clippers series is finished up. You kind of can make a more informed decision then. It's and honestly, like, when's that series going to begin? It's probably going to be in a week probably a little it might be 10 days could so like seven right yeah that's what i'm saying so it could be to the point where like all right he hasn't gotten sick or maybe he'll test negative 
yeah. within that period, and it, and it's, it's you know not a big deal. So I, I would play the wait and see approach. Or they could uh, do I mean, what they, baseball listen, did. They let they let Braun play after going to a party with Drake and Michael B. So like they have the protocols, but they're not a hundred percent following them. You know yeah, what I mean? So like, I wonder if, it, it, but it's different because he actually tested positive. It is, but still. Oh, I agree. I think they should scrap it completely. I just said. That. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but they could do like baseball did, which is when they when baseball got down to this many teams, they basically sent everybody to Texas to to one facility and said, "Let's finish it here." The problem with that is you you won't have home fans um, right. for for these games. So, um, yeah, I, I would scrap it personally. But whatever, we can move on from that before I get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, a couple of. Coaching uh, decisions today. Stan Van Gundy yeah. uh, of the Pelicans was fired. Uh, Scott Brooks of the Wizards. I don't know if he was fired or if they just parted ways, quote unquote, couldn't come to a new contract agreement. Um, so thoughts on both these guys not, not uh, being out of there. Well, I was not surprised one bit by Stan Van Gundy. I was shocked by the hire, to be honest. He didn't seem to be the kind of coach that would fit with that kind of core um, also, the Pelicans don't really have any kind of direction whatsoever. Like when you you think about the Pelicans, like what are they trying to do? Uh, you know what I mean? Like they are they building the young core together? Are they building a championship team right now? They're obviously not doing that. They they traded for Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Right. You're, you know what I mean? Like that's those are both clear signs that you're not trying to win right now. Because maybe Steve, maybe not so much Stephen Adams, but you trade for Eric Bledsoe, you're not trying to win a championship. So, but they're also not young guys. So you're also not building a young core around them because if you were doing that, you'd let Jackson Hayes mm. develop next to Zion. So I don't know why you'd bring somebody in to limit his minutes. So it's just like this franchise doesn't really have any direction right now, in my opinion. I think it would be too early to even try to to formulate a championship team around these guys. Like we don't fully know like what Zion is. Right. He, he doesn't know what he is yet. Like he, mm-hmm. we know he's really freaking good, but like we don't know all of his strengths and weaknesses where he could potentially be exploited, um, you know, what he's getting better at and things like that. You know what I mean? So how they're going to utilize him, like the point forward thing was brand new this year, um, you know, where he was playing a lot of uh, initiating the offense a lot, um, you know, so that kind of makes Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball expendable. So there's still a lot of things that you have to learn about Zion and Brandon Ingram together as a duo. If you're set on building around those two guys, mm. you got to figure out. I think you got to first figure out how those two are going to coexist before you can start to build your team around them, um, and then you kind of go from there. So uh, Stan Van Gundy, I don't think is that kind of coach to be in that and and clearly through their discussions from what i was reading from Woj earlier is that like him and david griffin were not on the same page as far as the direction that this franchise is going to go in so um you know obviously he's going to look for someone who's griffin's going to try to look for someone who fits whatever vision and hopefully there's some clarity that we see Mm. on the off-season moves that the pelicans make um, for the Wizards, this is a sign of um, a potential rebuild. Uh, Brad Beal has been non-committal to them long term. I think they could potentially move on from him. I'm almost certain they're going to want to get out of that Westbrook contract, yeah. um, bef- you know, before losing him for nothing. 
so I think both of those guys will be on the move. Um, I think Westbrook's on the move this summer. I think uh, Brad Beal, if not this summer before next trade deadline, he will be out of Washington um, and a full rebuild will start there because like they're, they're so bad. They really should be picking in the top five, mm-hmm. but because like Brad Beal and Westbrook, like got them into the playoffs, like they don't even have a lottery pick now. So right. that that's like the worst situation to be in, especially when uh, those two guys have no chance at winning you a championship. Like even if you put really good team, even if you put really good role players around them, never winning a championship with Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal, like we talked about. We've uh, talked so about that plenty, <laughs> right? So and and I don't think Scott Brooks is really um, wanting to coach any more rebuilds at this stage of his career. He he went through it with the Thunder; they had their run, and I think at this point, um, you know, I, the Wizards are probably going to enter into tank mode. I would assume. Yeah, I would assume that as well. And I've never been a Scott Brooks guy, um, even at Oklahoma City. Scott Brooks, I just never really saw it. He's average, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's not terrible, but I don't think like he doesn't win you championships. I certainly would not want him as my coach. Stephen Gundy definitely never wanted as the coach. It's interesting how good guy though. Yeah, he's a good guy. Well, he parlayed being a good guy into getting another coaching job, right? We yeah. loved him on the broadcast, and, and yeah. part of it was because he really got behind the social justice movement, which was great. Um, and, and then he kind of parlayed that into a head coaching job that maybe he uh, was not the best fit for. And it showed this year he really struggled trying to figure out that duo. Um, you know, some of the, the rotations were just really awkward and, and didn't make a lot of sense. So I think it's probably best for both parties. Maybe he goes back to TV because uh, he was pretty good at TV. He was very good. Not, TV, ex- yeah. Excluding the social justice stuff. He was just good at He was good on TV. Um, and calling the game. So maybe he goes back there. Um, as far as what they do, I would love to see like a Chauncey Billups um, in there with the Pelicans. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, especially if you want to roll with this Zion point forward thing and mm-hmm. you, you kind of like inject that point guard mind uh, to go along with what Zion already has, which is, you know, incredible. I'm not sure if I would stick with the Brandon Ingram duo. I just, I'm not sure how they work together. Maybe you try to move him. Um, for for a different type of a piece, um, but but as far as these teams, like it's clearly rebuild for the Wizards. I I would imagine you know maybe Bill gets moved um, for somebody, a Ben Simmons or something like that. Who knows? Um, yeah. and, and then you know I'm, the Pelicans are just a mess. We could do a whole episode on how they should try to to navigate this and build around Zion, who I think we both agree. You know, as far as the you know the guys under 25 he's in the top five of that he's in the for me he's like top two with luca yep. um so Coin flip uh, on those two yeah it is so all right uh last thing today another personnel change the mavs fired uh their gm um after you know, donnie nelson after 23 years and fired leaves um you know semantics i think but yeah so where do the mavs go from here do you like the decision anyway i do like the decision um Although I, I'm pretty sure Mark Cuban signs off on everything, so I don't know how big of a decision this is. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, well, I shouldn't say I like the decision. If they fired him, I don't like it because I don't. I mean, it's not like he bungled anything. Uh, maybe trading away Seth Curry wasn't a brilliant idea. Mm. Um, but the the Mavs are in that awkward phase uh, to me where. Um, they don't have a lot of trade capital 
and they don't have a lot of draft capital. Yep. So to improve this roster, and there aren't any really great free agents coming up this summer, um, in which they wouldn't have a ton of cap space for anyway. Um, so I think they've got to do some restructuring and retooling here uh, to try to get some better talent around Luca. Um, I think they need to rethink their approach on their usage of Chris Stapps Porzingis if they're not going to trade him. Hmm. Um, who knows? And, and he has basically said that he doesn't like the role that he's played. Um, no one on the Mavs should like the role that they're playing right now. It's just way too much Luca, as great as he is. There's, it's just too much Luca with the ball in his hands. Um, and they have other offensive playmakers. Um, so it really doesn't make sense how much he dominates the ball other than well, the fact that like, I know you want to give your best player the ball, but like Brunson's a good creator. Tim Hardaway yeah, Jr. That's, can. That's the direction that they're going with get like Donnie, Donnie Nelson leaving. Like the reason he left is because Cuban hired this ex professional gambler who became this advanced statistics and, and, and quantitative, whatever he's called. Um, and they're and they're going all in on this model yeah. of best player with the ball all the time, the Harden Rockets style, basically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is what the, the Daryl Morey uh, Rockets style is basically what they're looking to go all in on surrounding Luka. I agree. I agree he has the ball too much. I don't think it's a winning formula, not in the playoffs anyway. Even when he has these games where he goes off and goes crazy, you still need other guys to touch the ball. And, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know why anyone would mimic that mold that didn't win a championship. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Thank to me, you. But, you know, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's like, all right, well, are you going to move on per, from Przingis now? You invested a pretty solid amount into him um, as far as draft picks and stuff. So, and then you resigned him, so to a big contract. That's going to be hard to move now that you've turned him into Brook Lopez. <laughs> um, so you know, I just don't. They're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. So I can see why Donnie Nelson either left, uh, either left, um, you know, voluntarily or was fired. Whatever happened here, um, but I, I'm hoping that uh, Mark Cuban can kind of and Rick Carlisle, who yeah. typically wasn't an, an who was never really like an analytics dude. I, that was that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, I hope they kind of rethink their approach here because. They could have gotten out of this first round and probably should have, um, you know, if if they if they rethink their approach. So maybe hopefully this, uh, you know, leads to a different approach, but it doesn't look like it looks like it's going the opposite way. And I don't think that's I don't think that's really great for them. Um, maybe they're banking on a, a superstar free agent in a couple of summers. I don't know. But uh they're going to be in the same spot, like four through seven seed, first round, maybe second round exit for probably the next two to three years, just from looking at, unless they, they pull off some kind of Houdini act and, and get someone to come in. But uh, they need a second score to get Luca off the ball a little yeah. bit more. And you talk about uh, the Embiid Supermax, right? So Luca's kind of in the same spot. He's like – he. He could sign the biggest um, extension ever after a rookie contract. Yep. Um, but if I was him, I'm not 100% sure that I would want 
to sign on for that long with this franchise who hasn't really put anything around him. Porzingis was supposed to be that piece, you know, and obviously Porzingis was not that guy. I think Luca played a part in that with the way yeah. with his style. I think he played a part in that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We could see uh, Luca forcing his way out in a couple of years. He could be the next one on this train of guys forcing their way out. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing about like drafting, um, drafting a superstar like this early in his career, um, is that it like automatically puts you into yeah. like wanting to be a contending mode. And a lot of times, especially when you're talking about like someone like the Mavs who doesn't like typically tank. So like when you land a guy like that without tanking, you don't necessarily have a ton of like draft capital or picks to like package together and go trade for another star. And I think like the Giannis resigning in Milwaukee is going to have a big domino effect. And they're going to be one of the Dallas is going to be one of the teams impacted because I think that was a legitimate option for him if he had been a free agent this summer i think dallas would have been a legitimate destination you know you could do signs and trades and things like that and i think he would have been a really good fit with luca um and i think carlisle would have put him at the five yeah i think we'd know for sure he would have put him at the five and that would have been a scary guard center duo so i think that kind of threw the mavs and and really he was the last big free agent that was supposed to be in this 2021 class. So, uh, you know, I think that kind of threw them in a wrench in their future plans here. I haven't looked at, you know, any contracts or thing or what the 2022 free agent class is going to look like, but like, I can't think of anyone who's going to be anyone big that's going to be hitting the market by then. And okay. Yeah. I guess Kawhi and Paul George, right. Their contracts line up. I think Kawhi could opt out after this year. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So maybe, you know, maybe you get some luck there. Um, I don't see it, though. Yeah. So, like, it, it, 2022 rolls around, and Luca definitely will have that option to be like, you know, looking at what they do in that offseason and be like, I don't know that they can get the talent around me, even yeah. in this great, even though Dallas is a great destination uh, yeah. for to land free agents. You know, because the no state tax or income taxes, whatever that Texas and all that, mm-hmm. um, they Texas typically has not had an issue signing free agents. I just don't know that any of them are going to be available. I don't know either. And but realistically, you, you know how we always um, talk about the Knicks, and we always are like, are they going to get this guy? Are they going to get this guy? Mavs are that team too. Well, I think Luca could be that guy that they finally get because I think you know he kind of is like from this European right. He's, uh, Play for Real Madrid, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Basketball. What do the guys in European soccer do? They go to the biggest city, yep, for the biggest team, and they say, "I'm going to make the most money here." Damn the championships or the trophies that you normally come in soccer because everyone does that. Uh, but I would not be surprised if Luca yeah. said, "I'll go to New York and I'll be that superstar." That'd be cool, it's, especially when. This year showed that they're not that far away. I think that that's what they're 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 a superstar away from being yeah, uh, a team that could actually win. Yeah, that could like him and him and Julius Randle, I think would be a nice duo. I like that. Um I think you'd probably have to let RJ Barrett go cap wise or, or trade wise sign and trade wise. And I think you'd live with, I think you'd be very okay with that. Um get yeah. Mitch Robinson back as a rim protector. 
Well, wow, that's Derek Rose some, off your bench. Yeah, that's sometime down quickly. the road. Sometime yeah. down the road here with with Luca going anywhere. But is it interesting to think about? Um, Definitely. You know, trying to plan that out. So, all right, that's all the topics we had for today. We ran a little bit long, but there's a lot yeah. to talk about. So, Coop, what is going on at the All In Network? Uh, well, we've got a bunch going on. Uh, so we actually just released some new merch. Uh, for our all-in bets and DFS uh, page. So their logo, they've got a nice little kind of like one of these water bottles out, um, a mask, um, and a cell phone case available. So head on over to our Teespring store. Uh, You can find the link of that in the description of our YouTube video. You can find it on our website at allinnetwork.net. So go to any of those places. Um, and you can find all of our merch. So there's a new merch out. Uh, make sure you guys check out the latest episode of All in Politics. Uh, they're going to be returning soon as well uh, for the continuation of their season three. Um, for us, uh, next week we'll be off. Yep. Uh, like I said, I'm going to Puerto Rico. I'm going to go live it up vacation, on a vacation, hey. uh, get some time away get a little tan. So next time you guys see me, I should look, uh, you know, a little, little, uh, a <laughs> little more mocha, a little less instead like of caramel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so no pod from us next week. And that's probably going to be good. Cause we'll, we'll be, we'll come back in like the thick of the conference finals and talk yep. a little bit more hoops, uh, with you guys. So, uh, but yeah, make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button. If you're on our YouTube channel, make sure you turn on, post notifications so you know when we go live or when we upload new episodes that's really important um and we thank you guys uh you know who have done those things so far those of you who subscribe to our channel and also those of you who listen in the audio platforms and subscribe there leave reviews and ratings all that stuff really helps out the podcast Uh, so thank you guys for continuing to do that and show support yeah, absolutely, guys. We really appreciate you hanging out with us for the last hour of Talking Hoops. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. See you later. Yes, see you guys.